All right, we're going to have some fun today. Um, and um, yeah, I was going to say let's pray, but we already prayed. Um, <laughs> but we may pray again after that, right? Now, uh, if, uh, if you have a Bible, um, you can start to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to get there in, in a minute. But what I want to talk about uh, today is um, uh, something that I think is very important to uh, our lives as, as Christians. So, uh, yes, I am sitting down. Yes, uh, there's a reason for this. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying. Here, here's my, my thought process in, in this. I, I want to have a talk with, with you today. I don't want to... My voice just squeaked. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I still had that lingering cold from Panama. But I, I want to talk with you today. I, I don't really want to come across because of the, the weight in which we're, uh, of the material in which we're going to um, go over and the, the, the topic and everything. I mean, it is very weighty. It's, it's going to be in, her, in your face. I, I, don't want to t- I don't want you to feel that as if I'm talking down to anyone. I, but I want to stir up something in you. I want, not me, but I want to help. Uh, I want to be a part of the, the Spirit of God stirring something up in you today to hear what it is that's being said and seeing the importance of the, the message um, and, and the, the, the topic in which we are uh, talking about today. So uh, <clears throat> the plan is to sit, but we'll see how that all rolls. So let's start with, I got a, just a handful of questions uh, that I, I want to, to throw out at you. Now, um, for sake of whatever, you, you don't have to answer these questions out loud if you want to, I don't care, but keep a, 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 a tally of the, what, what your answers are what, to the questions in which I uh, am asking, um, and then because you'll, you'll see why in a second. Um, the first question is this. Is trusting uh, Jesus, is trusting God alone enough for someone to have a relationship with Him? Anybody want to step out and answer that one? Is trusting Jesus alone enough to have a relationship with Him, with God? Yes, yes. All right, I see how this is going to go here, so it's going to be interesting. So yes, absolutely. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart uh, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So trusting in Jesus alone is enough for a relationship with him. Now, when I say trusting in Jesus alone, that's not just saying, yeah, trust in Jesus with somebody. No, I'm saying you're putting your life, you're putting your life in his. He gave his life for you. And you're saying, that's where I'm identifying. Yes, that is enough for a relationship with, with God. Now, some of you say, well, what, what does that matter? Well, I had to ask that question before I asked these next three questions. So, as a Christian, now hear me when I say this, as a Christian, can you say that God loves you just the way you are, no matter what? As a Christian, can you say that, 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 that God loves you just the way you are, no matter what? Yeah, okay. Uh, that, that would be the question. I even have the answer on my, my little sheet here, so just make sure I got it right. Yes. You, 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 can, um, you can, God looks at you and He loves you uh, just the way you are. You've heard me talk in the past that uh, God can't love you any more, nor can He love you any less. Because He loves you, as it's said in, in our house, bunches and bunches and bunches infinity, Right? He loves you more than you can even imagine. So can God love you, uh, or can, can you say that God loves you just the way you are, no matter what? Yes. Uh, how about this? Do you believe that you can live however you want, and God will still love you? 
Ooh, so a little bit more, a little bit like, uh, I want to say yes, but I don't know. Here, let me help you. Yes. You can live however you want. Now, some of you are already getting squirmy, like, wait a second, you can't do this. That's just the legalism, the legalistic individual, the legal, yeah, the legal beagle, let's call them. And you're going, oh, wait a second. No, but hold on, just hear me out. Do you believe that you can live however you want and God will, will still love you? Yeah. You can live. If you're a Christian, remember, as a Christian, here, this is a question. You can live however you want, and God is going to still love you the same amount. So now when we, we say that, because remember, God can't love you anymore, and He can't love you any less, because He loves you unconditionally. He loves you more than we can even fathom. So that's the second question. Now, third question, do you have to give God anything in return for what He has done for you? No. Okay, you see how we, we, end, we start out, it's, it's a yes answer, that, that, that God's going to love you the way you are, no matter what. Yes, yes, you, 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 you can say that. Uh, the second one was you believe that you can live however you want and God will love you. Yes. Now we have to take that even further step to ask that question, uh, this next question, or this question of can, can you give anything back to God? Can you give God anything in return for what He has done? And it's No. You can never pay God back. And I think that that's important. That's not even the focus of what we're going to to, uh, be talking about today, but I think that there's a lot of people that have this this thought process of like, I've got to pay God back for what He has done for me. It doesn't matter how good a person you think you are or how good of things that you've done or how involved you are. You can never pay God back for what He has done. So quit trying to pay God back because you don't have to pay God back. If we had to pay God back, would, it therefore, would, would God's gift to us in, in His work and in His Son, would it be a gift then? No, it would not be a gift. It would be a wage, right? It would be like, I earned this. So it, it, no, no, it, it, it's understand that no, you don't have to do anything in return for what God has done for you. So with those questions in mind, and I want you to think about those questions because I think that with this, this is where we're like, oh, this is awesome. I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to give God anything back. And God's going to still love me. I, not, I know that you all don't think this, but how many of you have somebody in your life that, that they say, you know what, me and God are good and I can do whatever I want. And they, they, they believe all these things. I see two hands. Right, exactly. I could do it, and it's okay. You know what? They're absolutely right in their, in their theory. Okay? Because now, understanding that, that these things are true, and I, I'm not going to pull back on, on any of these and say, no, I'm going to change the answer. No. Yes, that you can live however you want, and if you are a Christian, that God's still going to love you no matter what. But I want to say this, that... The fact is, and I love that we are a people that love facts, and we have a tendency to take great comfort in facts, in which we should, but the fact is, as a Christian, you can do absolutely nothing the rest of your life, and God will love you the same. You hear that, right? As a Christian, you can do absolutely nothing and God will love you the same. I'm hoping that there's someone in here saying that, Ooh, I think 
Pastor Lee has went off the, the reservation here when he was in Panama because he's saying that like we can do whatever we want. All I'm doing, hey, all, all, all I'm doing is communicating the truth to you. you. You can do whatever you want, and you can actually do nothing the rest of your life as a Christian, and God will still love you the same as, it, 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 as, as He did when that day in which you, you said yes to Him. But I'll ask one more question. And I, this is a question which I think you really need to, 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 to um, press into, pull into. Why would you do nothing for the one who gave you everything? So, so remember when I said that, as a Christian, you can do nothing the rest of your life. And God's going to love you the same. But as a Christian, if one who's going to wave the flag of saying, I'm a Christian, and that one who understands what it means to be a Christian, why would you do nothing? I mean, my wife brings me ice cream home. And I think, I'm going to, do, I'm going to give her the world because she brought me pistachio ice cream home. Hint, hint. Just, just think about it. That's, that's, that pales in comparison. That's so small for what God has done for us. If I'm going to go out of my way to, to, to do uh, things for, for, the, the, for my wife who did something small like that, which is it's huge, but small, thinking about me being a Christian and me saying, I trust you, Jesus, because of what you've done on the cross and because who you are, and me saying, you know what, thank you for that. But I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to sit here and just, ah, thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to rest in your good work. See, that sounds holy. Resting in the, in the finished work of Christ, absolutely. We are called to rest in the finished work of Christ. But why would we not want to do something? Why wouldn't something be stirred inside of us? To do something. To, how about this? How about just to show a little bit of gratitude for what he's done for us? I think too often what we do is we come into places like this. And we'll just talk about us here. As we come into our, our, our worship service, and this was a question that I didn't have an answer to this morning, and I asked the guys, like, why do they call it worship service? Like, some, it almost sounds like I'm going to go in there and it's for me to be served. Right on, just in the nomenclature alone, it's as if all right, I'm going to walk into this room, I'm going to hear uh, the, the bald guy talk, and I'm going to be served, and then I'm going to go out. Well, that, that's, that, that's the wrong way of looking at this. What we have to understand is, is when we come together, we, we are coming together to serve, not to be served. I heard a, a really famous guy once that said that. His name was Jesus, and he said, you know what, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And when I think about what Christ came to do, and when I'm saying I'm on His team, well, this is who He was. But yet, I'm the one that's saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's all about my comfort. It's all about what I feel. Well, I think Jesus is this, and I think God would want me to have this. And Here's the deal. Let's just pull back all of the layers and say, look at, who did Jesus say that he was? 
He was a servant. And it was through his life being a servant that he, 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 he displayed the glory of God, the glory of the Father to, to everyone. Now I have you there in, in Ephesians chapter um, 2, verses 4 and 5. Uh, I want to, to, to start there because... In asking that question, why would you do nothing for the one who gave you everything? In asking that question, I, I, I think it, it, it's important, and this, this is leading into where our, 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 I really want us to get today, that we have to understand what serving God looks like. Serving God is essential for the Christian life. Serving God is essential for the Christian life. I, I, I say that, and I have... So many conversations with people, so many conversations with people that they say, like, I'm stuck in my walk with Christ, or I don't think that I'm growing. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm coming to church, I'm reading my Bible, and I just don't understand. I don't know what to do. I, I just feel like I'm taking one step forward and two steps back. And then getting into conversation with them, we, have, they, they, we, we reveal that they're not serving at any capacity. Now, we're going to talk next week about serving others. This week, what I want to talk about primarily is serving God. Because we can't serve others if we're not going to serve God first. Because what, what, what will happen is if we're serving others and we're not serving God, we're not going to have the right heart about it. And we're going to be uh, serving others for the, that self-gratification versus the glorification of, of the Father. But what I want us to understand is serving God is essential for the Christian life. The, the big idea that I want you to take away today, this is the same big idea that Kurt and I preached on four different times while we were down in Panama, is that God's people are serving people. And, and it was even cool because I learned it in Spanish. La gente de Dios sirviendo la gente. I mean, I learned a little bit of Spanish while I was there, which was awesome. Woohoo! Yeah! I don't know all that what that means. I know I get, I can kind of put pieces together, but Yes, understanding that God's people are serving people. I went, I'll go one more step with, with, with you because in translation, it, didn't, it wouldn't have translated as well. But I'll tell you this, that saved people are serving people. Saved people are, are, are serving people. Now, when you're thinking about serving here, don't think of this as a verb. Think of this as an adjective. Think of this as identification. So God's people, identifying God's people, or saved people. Then serving people, it's identification. Yes, that action of serving is a verb, and it's understanding that that's what takes place. But understanding that this descriptive word should be lined up with this other descriptive word, Saved people are serving people. Why, can I, why do I even think that, that, that this is important? Some, some, I know, I can even see it on your faces. You're like, okay, I get this, but, but just move on to the next. We can't move on to the next until we understand the importance of saved people are serving people. And that's why I brought you here to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, it says, but God. My, one of, I, I think these are my two favorite words that are put together in all of Scripture. I probably have said that about other words. I'm, I'm like Uncle Cy. There's many favorites and many number ones, right? 
We remember Duck Dynasty back in the day. The day, it's like a few years ago. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. When I, when I, when I look at this, I, I, I look at the, the, the understanding that really is encapsulated, even by this, 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 these two verses, or, or even if you want to go a little bit bigger in, the, in this whole paragraph, that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. We were once dead and spiritually, he says elsewhere, spiritually alienated from God. But God did something. But God looked down and said, yeah, I know you're nasty. I know you're dirty. I know you've got a problem. I know that you struggle with this. But I'm going to choose you. Did you earn that? No, you didn't earn that. It was God's choice in the matter. Now, we're not going to get into the, the, the whole uh, um, big, long argument about predestination and election and Calvinism and Arminianism and all this other stuff. I don't, I don't really care about that right now because the Bible says, but God. And when it says, but God, it means that God took that first step. You were dead. D-E-D, right? D-E-D, Dead. We were dead. There was, what is a dead person? One who has no life, right? Lifeless. We, we, were, we were lifeless. Spiritually lifeless. And it says, but God, because of His rich mercy and the love in which He had for us, made us alive. We didn't make ourselves. And why do I say this? Is, why, do I, why am I stressing this? Because the world wants us to think that if out of our own effort that we can be made right with God. The world will say, well, if you just do this, or if you just do this, or if you just believe this, it'll be okay. The problem with that is the Bible. Because the Bible says that it is God who does the work there. And we understand, so if we're saying, okay, save people, if it is God who makes that step, and who God who engages, and God who does that action of saving His people... It just seems like it would be a natural uh, a byproduct or a natural, how about a natural response that his people would want to serve him. If God rescued you, you, would want, you, you should. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. You would want to serve him. If you were drowning and Bobby rips off his shirt... And jumps in and saves you. I think you would be indebted to him, right? <laughs> give, give him his shirt back. But <laughs> I say that because he's got this cool shirt. I like it. Peppers and oil. Um, but, but no, think about that. But if someone rescued you from death, you would respond to them a little bit different. And I think that this is the problem that we have with inside of just Christianity today is we don't grab on to the magnitude that we've been snatched from death, spiritual death, spiritual alienation, eternal uh, separation from God. We, we, we don't grasp that. And because we don't grasp that, we don't act accordingly to that. 
Because we have this thought that, oh yeah, Jesus came to save me. I love, I had this article that I read th- th- this week that um, the, the, the author said that uh, too many people have it mixed up as if Jesus came for me. Some of you are like, well, wait a second. God sent His own Son, you know, for God to love the world. Well, but, but here, why did God send His Son? Because the image bearers broke relationship and needed to be restored. So understand, first, we were sent for Jesus. Not for us to rescue Jesus, but for us to display God's glory. We messed it up. He has to come and rescue us so that now we can be restored to the image of uh, uh, of the Son so we can bear the image. We can be the image bearers of the Father. Too often we think it's all about me, 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 me. We come in and we say, I I need to be served. What happens when when we approach God with the mentality of Him serving me. What happens is when your want, need, whatever, isn't fulfilled the way in which you want it to be, you start to question God. God is not in the business of serving us. We are to worship Him. We are to serve Him with everything in which we have. And I, I, tell, I, I tell you this because I, I think that as um, a believer, not only a believer in Jesus Christ, but a disciple of Christ, again, we have a lot of people that, that, that I come in contact with and they say that, you know, my, my life, isn't, my life is, doesn't seem to be changing. I'm still dealing with, with this old stuff or I'm still dealing with this and my life's just the same. Well, here we, we have termed what a disciple is, giving you a nice little definition of what a disciple of Jesus is. So a disciple of Jesus Christ is a, a believer in Jesus Christ whose life has been changed by following Christ in His commands. That's what a disciple is. So when I have people come up to me and say, it's just that nothing's changing. Are you following Christ and His commands? Are you following what it is that he has said? Well, I don't know if that really means. I mean, I don't really see that anywhere in the Bible. Well, it's because you're not reading the Bible. John chapter 12, verse 26. I think this is important for us as we're, we're, we're looking at this because serving is paramount uh, to being a, a disciple of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 26. Jesus says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. So, so look at this. You serve me, you're going to follow me. Well, you know, he's, yeah, but he's just talking like following him around like a puppy dog. No, he's not saying just geographic location or where your locale is. Is there some, uh, is there some uh, uh, semblance of that? Resemblance of, yes, we have to follow in his foot? Yes, but when he says follow me, he's saying do what I'm showing you to do. Follow my way of life. So if you're going to serve me, if you're going to serve me, Jesus says, if you're going to be identified as my disciple, if you are going to serve me, you have to follow me. He says, where I am there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I think in, in a couple of weeks, uh, Kurt's going to talk about the blessings that come with, with serving and everything, and he's going to use a, a really good, good story uh, in, in John chapter 13. 
that kind of follows after, after this. It tells us of, of the blessings in which we do, we do receive by, by serving God and by serving others. But um, what we have to understand, it, the motivation is not the blessing. The motivation is, is to have the, the conditioned heart to say, I believe what Jesus did for me and I want to show my gratitude. I want to, to live my life in reflecting that. And, and again, I, I think that it's too often what we do is we, we, we fall into the, the trap of not really grabbing hold of what Jesus did for you. And it causes chaos, I think. It causes us to, to, to it, when, we don't, when we don't grab hold of the magnitude of what Jesus has done, and then we look at, oh, i got to serve God... It's almost as we feel obligated to do service to God or or to serve Him like uh, um, uh, He's designed us to. I I love what what Psalm 100 100 verse 2 says, that we're to serve, love this, serve the Lord with what? With gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Too often what happens is we're like, oh... Man, i got to serve God today. If you ever find yourself with the thought or even the feeling of serving God being a chore, re- remember what He's done. Remember what He's given to you. If, if, we, fa- if we find ourselves in that, don't, don't let the devil take it and, and make you feel, oh, I'm a terrible Christian. And just start piling things. No, no, take that as an indication. Wait a second. That's wrong. I shouldn't feel obligated. I should feel that I want to serve Him. Because He's given me everything. Back to that question. Why would you do nothing for the one who gave you everything? Or who gave you everything? Why wouldn't you do something? Why, why would you just say, yeah, me and God are good. By the way, never tell me that. We just had this conversation in, in uh, our elders meeting this morning. I'm not the only one. I think the, the, the group, the elder group as a whole, those are like nails on the chalkboard when you say, oh, me and God are good. What does that mean, you and God are good? What, 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 how, how do you, how, one, how do you define good? Because what, what, what happens is most of the time when we inter- interact with people that say, oh, me and God are good, there is not an ounce or a shred of visible fruit in their life. And they're saying, me and God are good because I just want to feel good about myself and I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah, thanks God. Hey, thanks Jesus for doing that. But hey, I'm going to go do what I want to do. Because you're going to love me no matter what. You don't understand that. Three questions that that I'm hoping to answer in the next 15 minutes here that go with this is, I I think that as we're talking about serving God and it's essential for the Christian life, and the first question that comes to my mind is, what does it mean to serve God? What does it mean to serve God? Because <clears throat> I think that everybody has their idea of, well, it's this or it's that. Or, you know, and they try to just put their own answer to the question and try to, well, I can make serving God whatever I really want it to. What usually happens is you take something that's in your life that you like to do and you figure out, and you, you, you look at an angle of, oh, that's it. I'm serving God because I'm doing this. 
it's really helping X, Y, Z, or it's really, and you, you, you wrestle with what it is you're doing to try to figure out how this is service to God. Well, quit with the wrestling match. You can't thumb wrestle God and expect to win. Because just when you think you're going to win, He's going to grow another thumb and get you. I just, did you, know, you picture that? Like you're, you're in there and you're like, oh, I'm going to get him. And all of a sudden, bing, another thumb. Mm. It's kind of like the tag team. Or the, yeah. Anyways, what does it mean to serve God? Get back on track. What does it mean to serve God? To serve God, it's important to understand that serving God is not like, a, like serving one another. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, what do I mean? When we think of serving one another, we think of giving to a need or fulfilling a need to someone. As if some, Bobby lacks something or needs something, I can help him with that, I can get, so I can serve him. That's that thought we have, or we have when we're thinking about serving. Serving God is not that, because God has no needs. God lacks nothing. Now, when you think about that, this is uh, Acts chapter 17. Um, Luke writes about this. Paul's talking about it. Is that God can't be served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So we can't enter into the picture as if God needs me, I'm going to fulfill a need of God. Too many times we have, we have that, that mentality, though. Like, I'm going to give God something He needs. God doesn't need anything. The truth is, God doesn't need any of you. He doesn't need me. God needs nothing. Now, because that thought runs into your head, well, if God doesn't need anything, why serve Him? God doesn't have a need. He has a plan and He has a purpose. That's what we have to, 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 to let sink in. Is like, it's not a need that is to be fulfilled. It's a plan. It's a purpose. And which he has. So when we're thinking about this, we're thinking of what it means to, to serve. I just I think that this is the best way to, 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 uh, to put into words what it means to serve God. To be aligned under his perfect rule and reign as Lord and King. Let me say that one more time. To be aligned under his perfect rule and reign as Lord and King. How can you serve God? How can I serve God? It's by aligning myself under His perfect rule. His perfect reign. Remember, can I do whatever I want and God's still going to love me the same? Yes, you can. But you're not serving Him when you're doing whatever it is you want. You're living the life in which you want to live you're not serving God because you're not under His perfect rule and under His perfect reign. We had a, a beautiful discussion last night in the Kackner household right before bedtime. It was between Gabe and I. And Gabe's been, imagine this, 11-year-old boy acting up. A- anybody ever think? What? What? I mean, like, what are you talking like, I know, I was thinking like, is this the apocalypse or something? Uh, anyway, no, so he, he was acting up and, and this has been going on and I, hey, you need to do this. Okay. Hey, you need to do this. And this interaction has been going on for, for, for quite some time, like 11 years now. Um, 
But we had this conversation last night, and, and I said, hey, hey, buddy, have you ever thought about why Daddy tells you this is what needs to be done? Well, no. I said, well, let's, let's take a step back. What about God? Why do you think God tells you the right things to do? Well, because he doesn't want us to do the bad things. Yeah? Because what, what do those bad things, what do those bad things cause? Hurt and pain, suffering? Yeah, absolutely. So j- just, just think about that. But if, if, if daddy's telling you the right thing to do, it's probably because daddy's done the dumb thing already and has already learned. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Bobby. Already done the dumb thing and, and like, it, it, this is not going to work out for you. I want you to do the right thing so you don't have to go through that pain and that suffering. And that. But, but what we do, what we do is we look at God's rule and his reign as like, oh, it's restrictive. When we look at God's rule and God's reign and God's way of doing things and the way in which he designed things, and we look at the, the, them as if they're holding us back from joy, or if they're holding us back from the goodness in which he has for us, we're totally missing the picture. <clears throat> God doesn't, he, he doesn't want us to, to suffer. He, do, he doesn't want you to have anxiety. He doesn't want you to have that pain. He doesn't want you to have all this stuff. So he says, this is the way in which you need to do it. And when you do it this way, I, I, this is that song, It Is Well. I love that that song is not called It Is Easy. <laughs> because being well is not an easy thing to do. Resting in the Lord and what He has done is not an easy thing to do. But it's the right thing to do. If we're going to serve Him, we're going to understand that it's aligning with Him, not him, not trying to make Him align with us. The second question that, that, that I, I really want us to, to, to hit here, and maybe we'll just get to this question, because just for the sake of time. Why should serving God be important to me? And now I, I, I would answer the question with that other question, a response to that other question of why would you do nothing for the one who gave you everything? That would be my answer. Like, he's given us everything. So it, I think that serving God would be, would be important to, to, to me, is important to me. Well, I, I, there, there, there's a few things here that I think that could even help you understand even more of the importance of serving God. The first thing, Ultimately, when you serve God, when you align your life under His rule, His reign, He is Lord and King of your life. When you are enjoying Him and what He has given you, that's, that's what it means to, to be in his, in his rule and His reign. Enjoying the King for what the King has provided. Ultimately, it's all for His glory. It's ultimately for His glory. We were designed, before sin entered into the world, we were designed, we were, we were made in the image of God for one purpose, and that was to display His glory. So when we serve God, when, when we are, are, are living our lives under His rule, under His reign, it's ultimately so that He can be glorified. Does He need our glory? No, we're mirrors. We're just reflecting. We're not giving God anything He doesn't already have. What we're doing is reflecting who He is. What kind of mirror are you being? What kind of mirror am I being? I've got to ask myself that question. Am I reflecting the glory of God or am I reflecting the ways of the world? 
That, that's a that's a tough one. Well, you know, yeah, but it's hard to do that. It's uncomfortable to reflect God's glory. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is well. It's not easy, right? It, it, it is difficult, especially in a world that, that is screaming love and tolerance. Well, you got to love me no matter what. Yeah, I don't have to tolerate your sin. That that means that that, that I can hold fast to what God has said. Yeah, but you, that's not very Christian. Like, the, here's the deal. When you enter into that, that conversation with that person who tells you that you're not being very Christian-like, or that's not what a Christian would do, if that person isn't in your inner circle, and when I say your inner circle, I'm going to go even deeper. In, in your spiritual inner circle, and I, everybody should have one. Everybody, you should have people, uh, men, it should be men, women, it should be women. I, I mean, your wife and your husband can, can be there too. But you should have an inner circle that you can, uh, you can talk spiritual matters with, with individuals that, that are outside of your own self that can speak into your life. And if somebody is in your inner circle and saying, that's not Christ-like, you need to listen to them. But if they're not inside that inner circle, and it's not coming from the elders of your church, the, the fact of the matter is, just be gone. Satan. I, I, don't entertain that. Too many times, I've had that in my life, somebody's like, well, that's not what a Christian would do. What do you know about being a Christian? That's what I really want to say. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I usually like, mm, okay. No, but I just want to shake them. I'll kiss their baby and I'll shake them. <laughs> right? Be, be, because, and it's not because I have everything figured out I don't have everything figured out what a Christian should look like, but I can read what it says. And I know what the identifying characteristics. And you're going to stand there, and you're, or you're going to sit there, and you're going to tell me I'm not being Christian-like. Pfft, look at the pot calling the kettle black. That's what I, I have said that before. But don't listen to that. Don't, don't, don't listen to that. Understand that, that you were made for God's glory. And God's glory is repulsive to a dead and dying world. It's needed in a dead and dying world. We need to share the gospel. But I've encountered plenty of people who don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. They might not want to hear it, but they need to hear it. Because there will be a day in which we stand in front of Jesus. Everybody's going to do it. And I'm just picturing that day for the atheist that's standing in front of Jesus, trying to convince Jesus that he doesn't exist. <laughs> you really don't exist. Uh, you're not really sitting there. <laughs> well, come on. Well, one of the things that, that has been ongoing in our, uh, some of the discussions with inside of um, the, the elders, and then with, even with inside my inner circle and everything, is, is the fact that yeah, we want, yes, we want more people to come to church. We want to see our church growing in numbers. Why? Because we want to see more people come to Christ. Absolutely. But one of the things that, that I know I've said, and at first I was looked at, at, at a little cross-eyed, but I, I think that everybody got it afterwards, is this. The gospel is not appealing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not appealing. But just because it's not appealing... And what I mean is, you could put a bouncy house... Out in the front yard, and you'll get more people show up to a bouncy house versus if you put someone out there saying, hey, you need the gospel. At the end of the day, which one's going to withstand fire? The gospel. The bounce, bounce, it's just going to melt. It's going to be gone. It might be fun for the time. 
You might get your sweat on and woohoo, I'm jumping for Jesus. But at the end of the day, it's only the gospel that's going to save. So, so understanding this, that we were placed here for God's glory. We were placed here so if when we serve Him, when we align ourselves under His rule, under His reign, it is for us to display His glory. Not because He lacks glory. No, because we were designed to shine His glory. To show... I love the... the, 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 the uh, I saw a t-shirt one time that, that we're to be the moon. We reflect the sun. We, we, are to, we are to give God glory in, 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 in our, on our service to Him. To reflect that, that, that glory. The second thing. Why should serving be important to me? It changes the heart. When you serve God, your heart is going to be changed. Don't believe me? I, I love this, this text. I, I came across this. This came out and smacked me in the face like it's never done before. Hebrews chapter 9. Let me read, I want to read 11 through 14 real quick. <clears throat> the Browns aren't playing. No one's playing. You guys just, just chill out. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, it says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What that text is saying is when you wrap your head around what Christ has accomplished, what you, when you wrap your head around what He has given for you, what He has done, you will naturally move from dead works. Dead works meaning works that don't glorify God. Yeah, but I do this good, this good community deed, and I do that, and I do that. Here's the deal. Works that don't glorify God. That's what he's talking, what dead works are. That you'll move from dead works to serve the living God. So it changes your heart. When you serve God, it changes that heart that's inside of you. If you want to be a, 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 a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you want your life to be changed by following Him. It's by serving Him. The third thing that kind of... It, 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 um, I think it's built upon this, but not only, not only does this change your heart, it transforms the whole person. So why, why should serving God be important to me? Ultimately, it's for His glory. The second is it changes the heart, but it doesn't just change the heart. That's the beginning of this. It transforms the whole person. And when I say the whole person, the way in which you, not only the, the way in which you feel and maybe the way in which you think, but the way in which you act and that in which you do, and the way in which you influence those around you. 
I know that we have a lot of influencers in the room. The question is, are you influencing them for God? Are you influencing them for yourself or your agenda? What is it? But when we serve God and our heart is, tr- is changed, our whole body then is transformed. Look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I, I, I love the, the, this, this imagery that is given to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So, so don't... don't don't look at these words like, I don't understand that language. What this is saying is like, as a Christian, if you're waving the banner of Jesus, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When we're serving God, when our hearts are being transformed, we're being transformed, or our hearts are being changed, our whole person is being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. I know that everybody has in their mind the perfect you. If I could just do this, if I could just achieve this, if I just had this accolade or this job, or if I just had these kids, I know no one in here wants better kids, right? Because everybody's an angel. No, but we, we have all of these ideas like if I could just get to, if I could have just this much money or whatever it is. We have these ideas of what we think it should be. But God has such greater plans. He makes your image of your perfect you pale in comparison. It just completely fails. Because here it's talking about being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Just think about that. As I'm serving the Lord, He's he's transforming. He's working in me to be not only Lee 2.0, but Lee 2.10. Lee 2.1.1, or however that goes. You know, it's being more and more and more transformed. If you want a changed life, let God do the changing. Be open to what it is that God is saying to you. Be open to what it is He's speaking into your life. Why do I know that? Serve Him. Let's just start with that. Ultimately, it's for His glory. It's for the change of the heart. It's for the transformation of the whole person. And we'll end with this one. It emphasizes assurance. Not insurance. There's no Geico commercial. There's no Gecko up here, right? Assurance. Wait a second, what do you mean it emphasizes assurance? Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 to 12. This is another one of those things when, you're, when we're thinking about really serving God. You'd, I, I don't know if many people would, would come here, but this is where I was led. Because as I read this, I think that there's a lot of people who, who wrestle with, do I really know? Can I really know what, what, what's going on? I mean, can I, can I really know if, you know if, if God is going to, if God is who He says He's going to be? 6 verse 9. 
Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, beloved, that's, that's as a Christian, that's you Christian, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. So he says, God's not going to overlook your work and the love in which you, that, that you have shown for His name in serving the saints. So as he's talking, I'm serving God. Yes, there's, there's other people that are involved here, but I'm serving God. It's in His name that I'm doing this. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of the hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that's why we come to church is we want to inherit the promise of God. We want to be the, understand that we're one of the chosen of God. We want to learn more about this. This, is, this, this. this text here is saying that this is so you can have this assurance of this hope. That through serving the Father, that it's through serving God that we can have this assurance. So that you may not be sluggish. So that you don't find yourself in that, well, I'm not doing anything at all. I don't think anybody really wants to be there. I think at the end of the day that we, have, that we want to serve God, we just really don't know how to do that. So I'm hoping, as, as we have discussed today, that we have a little bit better understanding of what it means to serve God. And that we can say, I, I, I get it. I get what He's done for me. Because of what He's done for me, I, I want to do something. I know that it's not going to repay Him, but I want to do something. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank You. Lord, we love You. God, we ask that we can... Um, just hear what it is you've said today. Uh, God, that, I, that we cannot just be antsy in what it is that we, we want done or what we, we have planned, but we can just, if we can fall into your way and your understanding um, and your rule, your reign in our lives, that God, that we can put away the material things and our agenda and we can serve you and, and do it joyfully with gladness, as it says. So that when we stand in front of you, we, we don't have to, to, uh, to answer for the, 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 um, the, the, the hardness of heart in which we have in, in feeling like, I have to do this. But we can say, God, I, I served you in the big ways and in the small ways. And I did this joyfully. And I did it for, for you because what you've done. So, Father, if there's someone here that's wrestling with all this, uh, God, my prayer is that, that you just stir their heart. God, that they can just talk to someone. They could just be real with themselves, and they could be real with those around them. And Lord, that your glory could just continue to be seen through your love and your mercy. Father, we thank you, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.